And now I'll encourage you to take a Bible to open it to Colossians, where we are going through the book of Colossians with the lens as a church to lead into our events next weekend in the barbecue to show that the theme of global missions is not just for us meant to be a one-month focus or a one-week, one-Sunday fundraiser, but it is the heartbeat of the New Testament. That this awareness that the God who we have come to know in Christ is the God who reigns over all. That's chapter 1 of Colossians. That he was the creator in the beginning. He's the one before whom we'll all stand at the end. And he is from beginning to end the one to whom all things point. And then last week, Stan led us in chapter 2 and talked about how the faith that we have in Christ is the faith that we are supposed to remain in, not that we never grow deeper, not that life might not take us in all different kinds of directions, but that the way into this kingdom and that the bounty and the blessing of this relationship with God by faith is how it's to be for the whole of our lives, that we never add things to it. And he was willing to die and offer his life, but now we have to do this and we have to do that in order to earn it. No, it's all gift. <laughs> Everything that was necessary and needed for our salvation was done in Christ. And so we receive it as a gift. Now we move on to chapter 3, as Paul can, wants us to consider how that truth then should affect every area of our lives. Not just what we do on a Sunday, not just if we would consider the potential of blessing someone in foreign nations, but if this is all really true, that he's the Lord of all, and that we can enter into this by faith, and it's always by grace, and it's a gift of his for the whole of our lives, how should it affect the way we live our lives? This is Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. And that'll conclude our reading for today. I hope you see it's quite encompassing. We said from the beginning Colossians is a short book, but the length of the book is in no way an indication of the depth of the book. Um, To mine its riches, there are Uh, many. The first point that Paul makes in this chapter is to remind everyone that the Christ who we follow is in fact our life. He's telling them to uh, put their, to seek the things that are above, to set their minds on them where Christ is. And then in verse four, he says this phrase, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The amazing good news of the gospel is that we have been extended and offered the grace of eternal life. And that Christ has given us that. When we do consider the globe and all of its expressions of cultures and nationalities and religions, one of the sad realities that we encounter is the universality of death and decay that we all face as human beings. And what we need is not just a way to learn how to live life a little bit better. We need to know if anyone has an answer to the reality of death. Because it's something that we will all experience. And the good news of the gospel is that Christ is a life giver. And so Paul can talk about having already died to himself and now having this new reality of eternal life in Christ. And it is the difference maker. It is the great news. And we believe Christ in saying it because he demonstrated his authority on the subject matter by dying and rising again. By himself experiencing death and then being seen alive again after it. He really knows what life is and the kind of life that conquers death. And so when he extends the invitation and the promise of eternal life, he says it as someone who in his own person has demonstrated victory over death. That's the quote on the back of your handout. This is J.P. Moreland. This is actually from one of the interviews that Lee Strobel did in The Case for Christ as he wrote the book. Uh, J.P. Moreland was a Christian that he interviewed, and J.P. Moreland talking about communion said, think about it. Early Christians, very early on, were celebrating Jesus' execution his broken body, his shed blood, because they were convinced that they had seen him alive from the tomb. The only way we can make sense of how the early church would have a time of gathering together 
And not just remembering that Christ had died, but that it was a celebration. In fact, it was such a celebration, Paul in Corinthians has to write the people and say, hey, the celebration's getting out of hand. Don't quite celebrate like that. Okay, it's getting a little bit too rowdy here. Well, how are they celebrating? If what, what happened and what they're commemorating is something horrible, something terrible. Well, because those people living within only a few years of the events that took place also had the testimony that they could celebrate this because they knew this wasn't the end of the story. They knew that his broken body and his shed blood had been resurrected. That he's not still dead. That he could speak to his disciples. He could say to Thomas, feel the, feel the wound in my hand. And now seeing his victory over death, his ability to give life, they could go back to those awful realities of the story. And it could be a way of celebrating for them. It could be something that they remembered. An occasion for feasting. An occasion for joy among all of them because Christ was their life. They didn't have to leave out the details. Uh, Friday night, it kind of worked out well. Uh, I'm a big soccer fan, and I'm a, an alum of the University of Akron, and Akron consistently has a really good soccer team. We started the year ranked number two in the country, and the home opener was Friday night, so I took uh, Levi, actually I took all three of them to the game. And when we got there, we were losing one to zero, um, and we got to see Akron score two goals, and then we left, and then Butler ended up tying it up, and it was two to two. But as far as my boys know, we won two to zero. Like, we got to see the part of the story that was, like, the really cool part of it and got to see the goals that we wanted. And the other details don't matter. And sometimes we can approach life in that way. That we just want to select the, the good parts or the nice parts to hear. And in the Christian gospel, when we know that Christ is our life and that he's been victorious over death, it actually allows us to enter into some of those pain points and those sorrows and those regrets because we know that the one who's walking with us is the one who's already been victorious over all of it. And he's not just saying, we'll just forget that ever happened and we'll pretend like it, it wasn't really real. But he's saying, I can walk down any shadow, the valley of the shadow of death with you because I'm the one who can also show you how we get out of this valley. I can get you back up the mountainside. Paul is saying to all of the believers in Colossae, Christ is our life. And so, yes, set your mind on him. Seek first his kingdom. Desire ultimately his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven because he is the one person who has given us this visible and physical demonstration of the hope that we have that there is victory over death and that there is eternal life to be offered. From there, he goes on to say, as Christ is our life, and if we really believe that's true, then we will realize that Christ is our all. He says, put to death what is earthly in you, the sexual immorality, the impurity, the evil desire, covetousness, idolatry, these things that have incurred the judgment of God, these things that we have done that has resulted in the punishment of God's Son on our behalf. In verse 11, he says, Here there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. If he has given us the victory of new life, 
then he has the authority now to speak into all of life. And sometimes we want to keep part of it for ourselves and say, no, God, I'd really like you to get me out of this situation, but this situation I think is pretty fine and I think it's going well and if I can just keep managing it, I'd love to. And when we come to the conviction that no, he's really given us life, we owe it to him, then his desire to speak into the whole of our lives is only natural. And he says it's, a, it's this reality that applies to Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, slave or free, what Christ offers in the hope of eternal life to all who would believe, then for those who do believe means that he is all and in all. And so then as it goes down, it talks about doing everything in his name and worshiping him and uh, seeking to do it with thankfulness in the very practical uh, recommendations from verse 12 to verse 17. Becoming more like Christ Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. As soon as we see this, if we thought he was painting any other picture, he says, just as Jesus has done for you. We should desire in all that we're doing to become more like him. And then he says, let his peace rule in your hearts and let his word dwell in you richly, teaching one another, admonishing one another, singing hymns and spiritual songs, everything to do and to be done in thankfulness. And so if he's the aim and the desire of what we now in our, the gift of the life that's been given to us, we seek to become, that that would affect the totality of who we are. Because that's another way that Christ distinguished himself. When people interacted with him, what stood out was that he taught with such authority and he lived his life so consistently with what he said. Every one of us has the ability to sound better than we are to talk a better talk than what's really there. And Christ was this amazing person where his words and his actions all lined up and he was the same person all the way through. Doesn't mean everything he said was easy to hear or completely understood, but it means he wasn't fake with anyone. He wasn't misleading anyone. He wasn't deceiving anyone. And Paul writing to the church in Colossae who's received this great gift of life in Christ is saying, Now live the life of Christ. Imitate him. Not in a begrudging, I can't believe I have to do this or do that. But as this amazing invitation that we actually can become more like him. That the one who loves us more than anyone ever could and has shown us the way, has shown us how to live. And so yes, there are incredibly practical dimensions to the Christian life. And there are things we do and things we don't do, but not from any posture of self-righteousness, not in any posture of trying to earn anything, but in the overflow of gratitude and thankfulness that we've been given gifts. It was uh, a piece of advice to me, you know, when you're in a season of life where there's just so many things going on and you don't know, you don't even have the time to pray for everything in detail. And also, you you could think of like three different ways to pray for something because you're just not even sure how it's supposed to go. Like, it's just kind of, there's so many things happening. You have no idea what's going to work out. Um, An exercise that was encouraged to me and that I encourage others to do is in those seasons when you don't even have the time to think it all through, but if you could try to narrow down to one word what what you're longing for. And you know when you say that one word, it means 50 other things. But you only have the time to say one word. 
as you're moving from one meeting to the next or driving in the car or whatever it happens to be. And what would that be? And so sometimes it might be strength. Sometimes it might be peace. Sometimes it might be healing. And for me, more recently, as I've tried to do this, uh, the word favor keeps coming into my mind, which feels really weird because I immediately picture, and this is not meant to be an insult, but Joel Olstein, And I'm like, I'm like walking around asking for favor. I don't think I mean it the same way, but I do. I'm like, God, I need to get lucky on some things. <laughs> I, need, I need grace. I need things to happen in a way that I know I didn't uh, earn it or do 50 things to make it happen because um, I don't quite see how these five things could possibly get done in a certain time frame. And so I just need to feel like certain things are happening. And it, as much as in my mind there's a, no, you shouldn't be asking that, I have to be reminded, wait a minute, that's your whole life. <laughs> Your whole life is grace. The other word for favor is grace. This is the reality that you live in. It's all a gift from him. And so in whatever ways you're trying to live it out and manifest it is great. But yeah, that's what we're all longing for is blessing, grace. And we have reason because Christ is our life to believe that he is the one who will give us all things we need so that we can live primarily out of thankfulness, primarily out of abundance and not scarcity. Because if he wasn't willing to give it to us, he wouldn't have died for us. That's Romans chapter 8. Paul looks at his own life and all the challenges, and he had them, plenty, things that puzzled him and confused him. But when he thought of the cross and when he thought of eternal life, he said, man, if God is for me, no one can be against me. And if he sent his son to die for me, then certainly won't he give us all things. And who am I to say to Paul, no, he won't. Yes, won't he? Why wouldn't he? Why not live our lives in a posture of longing for more and more favor, more and more grace? Not so that in a self-centered way we can become something, but so that the blessing we've been given can continue to pour out to other people. So that other people's lives can be blessed in the ways that ours is. And then lastly, from Christ our life to Christ our all, he talks about consistently Christ our Lord, which it was helpful in our last book club, we read through Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. And uh, in that book, he just made the point that when we hear Lord, we might think of it in in a definition of who Christ is that this is a term of respect and honor as Jesus is God, which is true. But for almost everyone in the first century, it was a term of authority. It was the acknowledgement of someone being in charge. And so he goes on to describe that, yes, all of the earliest believers knew Christ as Lord. We sometimes in our lives want him as a consultant, which is someone who gives advice, but at the end of the day, we get to make the decision. And so in just a funny phrase, I think he's quoting Larry Osborne at this point, but he says, as soon as the Lord realizes he's being treated more like a consultant, he stops showing up to the meetings. Because that's not who he is. He's the Lord. And so Paul again and again, do this in the name of the Lord. Do this as unto the Lord. And this affects every area of your life. 
as husbands, how you treat your wives, as wives, how you treat your husbands, as parents, how you treat your children, as uh, business owners, how you treat your employees, as workers, how you treat and honor the integrity of your work. Is how he goes on to end the chapter. It gets real nitty-gritty, real earthy and practical. But he says in all of that, in all of that behavior, we should primarily view ourselves as submitting to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. That our life is not our own. It's been given to us as a gift. All of it should be oriented towards reflecting his character. And in every single way, not just what we do on a Sunday, but how we treat each other in the home, how we live out our lives as neighbors, how we live out our lives in the workplace, that all of that is an opportunity to show others that we really believe him and that he really is in charge, that it's not just about us. And so we love the opportunity to highlight for a period of time the work of global missions when people make a unique call to leave their job and leave their comfort zone and go to someplace else and to share all of this good news with other people. And next week, we hope that you will, out of the joy of your relationship with the Lord, will give abundantly to encourage people. But we also don't want to miscommunicate that you and I have the opportunity every single day to show our thankfulness to the Lord by just how we live our lives. That you, we show up on time to work tomorrow, that we're a good person to work with, that we care and respect the people who live in our home, that no one thing is ever used to justify neglecting anything else, but that in a posture of humility, you say, God, I do, I do want to say thanks for what you've given to me. You're the only one who rose again from the dead and who's credibly offered me life. And I'm just thankful that I get to live this life for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news of your grace and favor upon us. That you offer us new life. And that with it, new resources and new abilities. And that if we have the hearts to receive it, the good news that you have authority to tell us where and when and how and who. And that for some of us, that authority might direct us to give up things of comfort and ease, to travel to distant places. For some of us, it will mean to give up a sense of pride and bitterness and to be willing to go and forgive someone that we've not yet been willing to forgive. We trust that your Holy Spirit can work in all of our hearts to draw us into a deeper relationship with you. But we do want to, to set aside this time and invite your Spirit to speak into our hearts, to convict us about whether or not we have surrendered all to you, to be used by you for the good of others. So we pray that even as we stand to sing this last song, that you would use it to speak individually into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.